Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Lehman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. 68 people died on Portland streets last year. They died on bikes and in cars, on foot and while waiting for public transportation. It was the most traffic-related deaths in 30 years. It comes at a time when city transportation leaders have already been sounding a separate but related alarm. They say they don't have enough money for all of the routine maintenance, safety improvements, and future projects that Portlanders need. Millicent Williams joins us now to talk about all of this. She is the director of PBOT, the Portland Bureau of Transportation. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you so much, Dave. I want to start with that number. According to your data, 68 people died on Portland streets last year, the highest number in three decades, despite so much focus on safety, on vision zero. How do you explain this? Well, Dave, you know, it's a it's a great question. It's a really hard question to answer. Uh, there are any number of factors that are contributing to the numbers that we're seeing uh, on a now a pretty regular basis. Um, the increase is not unique to Portland, but um, we do need to address what's what, what our challenges are here. Um, I attribute it to a number of things. Uh, first of all, uh, please know that PBOT staff work tirelessly and around the clock to make sure that they're addressing safety in, in all instances on all projects. It's No project is considered to be anything other than a safety project. So we're working on it all the time. Um, and we're giving focused attention on those areas where there are perhaps the greatest concerns, the greatest speeds, um, uh, uh, fewer crossings, um, um, some of the uh, uh, width of the road ways uh, are also challenges. Uh, and we focus there. And we focus on education and ensuring that people understand what their responsibilities are as they're uh, traversing the city. But um, we aren't able to address it alone. Uh, we really do need to work in partnership with those who can support the work um, happening. We we have to make sure that we're enforcing. We have to make sure that we're causing people to slow down. We have to ensure that we're considering some of the other societal challenges that we have right now, um, especially in this moment, uh, as we look at those numbers. So it's, it's, a, it's a staggering number, but uh, one that we can trace back to certain things, uh, distraction, uh, intoxication, or otherwise uh, impaired. Um, all those things are, are factors, but you know we hope to work together to make sure that we bring those numbers uh, down into the other direction. Statewide traffic deaths dropped something like 10% last year um, while they went up in Portland. And I imagine that, I mean, to me, when I look at those numbers, it, it makes me think that you can't say that this is, for example, because of the statewide drop in gas taxes or, or you know, local diversions of Bureau of PBOT that are in Corvallis or Salem or wherever, because I assume that everybody is, is, is seeing a, a more or less similar drop in, the, in that statewide part of your revenue, which is a big part of your discretionary funding. Right. Do you think something is different in Portland? The, the way that the city is designed is different. Um, the way that um, the population uh, has grown is different. And that's not to uh, take ourselves off the hook or absolve us of the responsibility of attending to the needs of community. But uh, those are, are very real factors. As we see um, the population continue to grow and shift, uh, the way that people are using the roadways shifting, uh, we anticipate that we'll continue to need to address those challenges in really um, systematic ways. 
ways. So uh, I don't want to suggest that we aren't doing everything that we can uh, to make sure we're bringing the numbers down, but the numbers um, do reflect a difference in the ways that cities are built and designed. Um, we have a really intricate network of streets and sidewalks and um, roadways that uh, sometimes lend themselves to uh, people um, showing up in ways that are, are less than helpful. So uh, we continue to work on that on a daily basis. We work on that. Um, we are, are trying to not engineer our way out of a problem, but really apply smart uh, engineering to the designs that we have on the streets. We're really working to make sure that we're educating users of all uh, modes um, in ways that help us to bring those numbers down. But I do think a lot has to do with the way that the city's populated, um, the way that the city's designed, and the size of the city. The demographics of traffic deaths are pretty striking. According to your website, black and indigenous community members die in traffic crashes at about twice the rate relative to their proportion of the population. Males ages 26 to 55 are overrepresented in traffic deaths. And more than half of pedestrians who are killed are unhoused when they die. What are you doing to focus on these particularly vulnerable populations? Sure. So one of the things that we do acknowledge is, uh, as you've said on our website, uh, and we talk about it every day in, at the at the office, um, is the demographics of the folks who are affected. We do know that in many instances, people who are in those um, classifications, that those demographics live in areas where streets are wider, speeds are faster, fewer crossings. Um, and so uh, there are intentional efforts that we use uh, to make sure that we're focusing on those areas. We use an equity matrix to help to inform where we make uh, investments and build projects uh, because we recognize that every community needs to be served and served well and that there is this glaring uh, difference in the ways that uh, people are represented in those um, unfortunate numbers uh, says that we need to be doing something different. So we're focusing on those areas. As it relates to those who are unhoused, um, I think uh, the, the challenge that we have as a city and as a county and as a, as a country is to make sure that we're treating people with dignity and helping them to find options that uh, move them away from the roadway. Um, I don't want to suggest that um, I'm, I'm blaming anyone uh, uh, for their condition or their situation, but what we can do is work um, hand in hand with community members to make sure that we are providing them with safe uh, passage, that they do have wide enough sidewalks, that they are able to go to places that are, are safe and clean um, and, um, and protected from potential uh, vehicular um, traffic that would potentially uh, be fatal uh, a fatal crash for them. We could spend this whole time talking about your serious budget problems. Yeah. Um, but can you give us a short version of where the Bureau is right now? Sure. Uh, so uh, as has been reported, we had a $32 million budget shortfall. Um, because of the uh, kindness and generosity and strategic thinking around the Portland Clean Energy Fund, we were able to realize uh, some support uh, because of our um, intersection with the work that they do, the climate investments that they make, uh, uh, transportation is a key contributor to greenhouse gas emissions, and so it was a, a, an easy partnership to forge between PCEF and um, the Portland Bureau of Transportation. So with uh, the funding that we'll receive from them over the course of five years, $112 million, that does help to um, 
reduce some of that budgetary burden, but we still, uh, as we look at uh, 24-25, fiscal year 24-25, we'll still need to address uh, a $20 million, roughly $20 million shortfall and are considering the ways that we're going to make sure we are able to fill that gap. I want to talk with in more detail about what that, that gap means and, and how it might be closed, what has to be cut. But just in terms of this Portland Clean Energy um, community benefits fund. The idea of it, it's it's a, it's a you know newish tax, and it brought in more money um, than the city was expecting, right. which was a great windfall for you. It means that 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 transportation projects will have more money. But the idea of it is for things like green jobs, home improvements, for energy efficiency and renewable energy. How does PBOT fit into it? Well, um, as we've understood the definition, it is a little bit more expansive, extensive than just um, the things that you've mentioned. And again, because of the intersection, the nexus between uh, the greenhouse gas emissions and our ability to help to produce those things uh, to create a livable space um, is uh, is where we find the opportunity to connect to those resources. So, so what kinds of things that, that you are were already planning to do, can, can money from PCEF go towards? And then, and then what can other money that you already have, what can that be spent on? Because it seems like there's a little bit of money shuffling going on. Sure. There, there is the opportunity for us to fill the gaps um, to replace what we otherwise would use for general fund uh, with PCEF dollars. And so some of the things that we're focusing on is um, our um, uh, sweeping and cleaning of uh, 400 miles of bike lanes. Um, one of the ways that we want to see uh, people shift their um, modes of transportation is to consider cycling. And so in order to do that safely, uh, we need to not only make sure we have the facilities available, but those facilities are clean and passable. And so the investment is there, as um, maybe mentioned in another conversation, there's been a huge investment from PCEF in e-bikes e for community members. And so again, we found the need to create that um, the ease for people to use the different options. Uh, so that's one of the spaces we're uh, spending. Uh, we're, we're going to be able to spend money on um, safety projects. Uh, they are called small, um, small cap, um, quick build projects. So things that we see a problem, we're able to quickly dispatch services to be able to solve those problems. Uh, that's another space where we're going to be able to to use that investment. And so um, not only will we be able to um, make whole those areas of the organization that otherwise might have uh, had to be cut, but we are also then able to uh, look at some of the maintenance and livability uh, issues and challenges, spaces where we've had to make cuts and be able to replace those funds because of that. If you're just tuning in, we're talking right now with Millicent Williams. She is the director of the Portland Bureau of Transportation. Your bureau did a number of surveys of Portland residents and PBOT employees and different constituency groups this year. The idea was to get a better sense for people's priorities, especially given the fact that you don't have enough money for all of the potential things you could spend money on. And there was a fair amount of overlap in the responses you got, but also some differences in the responses. PBOT employees and members of PBOT listserv, so some existing yeah. community groups, um, they ranked maintenance as their top priority. Uh, members of the bicycle and pedestrian advisory committees identified safety as their top priority. What's your top priority? Um, my top priority is making sure that as the uh, leader for the Bureau of Transportation that we're serving all communities well. Uh, I do think it is important for us to be able to 
quote-unquote get back to basics, make sure that the city is clean, uh, that is well-maintained, that we are promoting livability in the ways that we're uh, promoting uh, and, and delivering our work. And so uh, I want to make sure that we're we're focusing on what the community has told us they'd like for us to focus on. That maintenance uh, uh, category is, is huge. We do have, as has been perhaps mentioned, a $4 billion maintenance backlog. Um, Will we, we will we be able to address that in a year or five years even? Or no, it would take two hundred years for us to get it down to zero. But um, it's a space that's important. We we do have the opportunity to be really innovative in the work that we do. We receive significant funding from outside of the city, uh, federal funding, state funding, um, and other uh, funding to do that innovative work. But it's important to me that that innovative work have has as its foundation um, safe, passable roads, um, clean bike lanes, uh, connected sidewalks, uh, 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 crossings that uh, are connected uh, from one side to the other, that there are signals in place. There's lighting in place. Those are things that are important to me. Um, I've been saying here lately, uh, I, I, it, it should be done. We, we've got to get things done. We've got to get them done right, and we've got to get them done well. And so um, while we have a, a huge agenda ahead, uh, I think we have the opportunity to make sure that we're in this moment focusing where the community has said they'd like for us to focus, uh, where city council has said they'd like for us to focus. Uh, but maintenance is safety. Uh, maintenance is asset management. Maintenance is livability. And uh, I often say that I think that people underestimate the impact of transportation on their uh, quality of life, the transportation infrastructure that we're responsible for managing and maintaining. Um, we're, we're so present that we're almost invisible. And when I've explained it to folks and said, you know, every roadway, every crossing, every signal, every streetlight, uh, every stop sign, um, people are, are, are really... Um, actually stunned. They, they don't think about it. And so we have to focus on all of those things and make sure that they're operating well um, so that we can do some of that futuristic, more futuristic thinking about how we can transform our city for what's coming ahead. What is going to be cut? If I mean, let's, just, let's say that in May, Portlanders um, vote to continue the 10 cents a gallon local tax that, that can go for safer streets. Um, and then you only, quote unquote, have a 20 or so million dollar budget gap for this year. Sure. How do you how do you um, cut that much? So we've gone through a series of exercises. Uh, uh, senior leadership has looked at the overall budget to determine uh, spaces where we can maximize efficiencies, where we can um, make some cuts that won't uh, be irreparable, uh, cause irreparable damage to the bureau. Um, and so I don't want to suggest that there's just a, a singular, you know, five or ten percent across the board, but we're looking at areas where we perhaps can uh, reduce our focus so that we can make sure we're focusing in other areas. Um, but what are examples? Um, some examples are, um, and then this is a, a fairly unpopular one, but um, matching funds for um, streetlights, um, landslide abatement for emergencies. Um, some street sweeping and cleaning uh, would potentially be impacted. Uh, so the things that people are, think are important um, are the things that we would potentially need to cut. Uh, there will potentially also be a series of layoffs that we don't know yet. We don't want to uh, 
overemphasize the fact that that is something that we might need to consider, but it is. If we're cutting programs, we might need to also cut staff. What do you see as a long-term solution to your budget problems? I mean, this, this has been going on a version of this. It's the worst that it's been in a while, but we've been talking about um, backlogs and deficits for something like five years now. We've also been hearing about uh, because of a good thing, because of an increase in fuel efficiency, a, a drop in statewide gas tax revenue. What do you see as a long-term solution? Well, I mean, if we do our jobs well, we do put ourselves out of business. If we uh, create the opportunity for people to use different options to get around town, um, uh, we do uh, kind of make the, the gas tax null and void. So we do have to look at alternatives to ensuring that uh, we're funding the Bureau. And we've had a series of conversations internal to the Bureau uh, with city partners about what we might do differently, how we can realize some of the um, funding that's necessary for the Bureau. It's going to be a series of things between uh, parking management. We're going to be looking at VMT, vehicle miles traveled, as an option uh, for funding and how we uh, attach fees uh, to that. Um, we we have to have a, a serious conversation about the fundamental funding for transportation and infrastructure um, across the city. That's something that folks do need to um, take seriously because without the work that we do, you know, it, we can be a very different city and we'll potentially be a very different city anyway, uh, given especially those budget shortfalls. Uh, there is a utility licensing fee that was established 35 years ago. Uh, right now, the Transportation Bureau is not receiving any of that funding. However, if we have the opportunity to begin to uh, recoup some of the funding, the percentage of that funding that uh, has been um, reallocated to other interests in the city, we would be able to uh, fill at least some of those gaps. But again, um, we are using the moment this year uh, as we move into new city organization, um, as we do have the budgetary uh, concerns that we have to uh, reimagine the Bureau and determine how we can best focus on the things that are within our mission and our scope. Just briefly, soon after you became the head of PBOT, the Bureau got a lot of flack for uh, an effort to revert a section of protected bike lane on Broadway, Northwest and Southwest Broadway in downtown. You apologized saying that um, you moved too fast. But there were a lot of bad feelings from, from cyclists and other members of the community sure. at the time. What are you doing to build back trust? Well, um, that was a, a challenging moment for me personally and, and for the Bureau. I recognize that it did cause uh, harm. One of the things that I'm doing is, is connecting directly with uh, the folks who were most affected, uh, continuing to have the conversations and continuing to show up and be in the spaces that are important. Um, I don't uh, fear having conversations. I don't fear conflict. And I recognize that we won't always agree on things. But the way that we get to resolution is through coming together. And so that's what I'm committed to doing. That's what the Bureau is committed to doing. And I know I have you know plenty of work to do to continue to restore the, the faith and trust, but that's what I'm here to do. Um, I am, um, uh, you know, I don't want to say I'm human. Uh, I am, but <laughs> I, I, I don't want to suggest that that's the reason why things happened. But uh, the humanity in me is uh, what's causing me to want to make sure that we're doing uh, what we do right and well and that the relationships that we have, that we fostered and built over the course of many years, um, remain intact. Millicent Williams, thanks very much. Thank you so much. Millicent Williams is the director of PBOT. That's the Portland Bureau of Transportation.